Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons inspired by the Olympic Games. That's right, the Olympics started just a few short days ago, and I have spent a lot of time over the weekend watching Olympic coverage. So I've spent some time watching everything from archery to volleyball. I've watched a little bit of table tennis and badminton. I've even seen a little bit of soccer and swimming that's been going on. But you know the crazy thing? The crazy thing is that I would never watch any of these events if I just stumbled upon them while I was flipping through channels. But because these are Olympic events, they all draw me in immediately. And I think that's because the Olympics is about so much more than just athletic competitions. The Olympics is filled with incredible stories of amazing athletes that can inspire us all and teach us all valuable life lessons. So over the course of the next few sermons, we're going to be exploring some of the most memorable moments that have ever played out on the Olympic stage. And we're going to see what these stories can teach us as we continue to run the race of life. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. So just a few short days ago, millions of people from all around the world tuned in to watch the opening ceremonies of the 32nd Olympic Games, this year's being held in Tokyo, Japan. On that day, thousands of athletes came together from over 200 different countries. They gathered together inside of the Olympic Stadium, and they gathered together to help kick off these long-awaited summer games. And over the course of the last couple of games, uh, last couple of days, athletes have already began competing in at least 20 different events, covering everything from archery to volleyball, from badminton to table tennis, from swimming to soccer. And I don't know about you guys, but I have already started to binge watch this year's Olympic coverage. So of course, I tuned in on Friday night and I watched most of the opening ceremonies. But I didn't have to wait for the official start of this year's Olympic Games before I started tuning in. The truth is, I've been watching Olympic coverage since track and field and swimming were having their team trials back in June. And so, of course, I spent some time over the last week on Wednesday and Thursday watching the opening round coverage of soccer and softball. And I spent some time on Friday watching a little bit of archery and rowing. And yesterday... Well, yesterday, if I didn't have a few errands that I needed to run, I probably would have spent the entire day flipping through NBC's Peacock app, finding some other Olympic events that I could watch. But you know what the funny thing is? The funny thing is that I'm like just about everybody else in the world. And that's that I would never, I would never just tune in and watch any of these sporting competitions if I just happened to stumble upon them while I was flipping through the channels. But because these are Olympic events, there's something about them that immediately draws my attention. And that's because the Olympics are about so much more than just athletic competitions. The Olympic Games are filled with incredible stories about amazing athletes that can inspire us all, and they can also teach us all some valuable lessons about life. So over the course of the next few weeks here at Melbourne Heights, we are going to be exploring some of the most memorable moments that have ever taken place on the Olympic stage. And we're going to see what these moments can teach us about following God and running the race of life that's set before us today. And the first story from the Olympics that I want to tell you today takes place all the way back in 1992. 
1992, the world had converged on Barcelona, Spain for the games of the 25th Olympiad. And during those Olympic games, over the course of three weeks, athletes, 9,356 athletes from 169 different countries competed in 257 events that covered 25 different sports. Of course, some of the athletes in the Olympics that year were already world famous long before they ever made it to Barcelona, Spain. 1992 was the year that the original Dream Team was formed. So guys like Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, they were already well-known before those Olympic events. But other athletes got to enjoy their 15 minutes of fame under the bright lights of the Olympic cauldron, like the first medalist in the history of Israel. During the 92 Olympics, a woman named Yael Arid won the silver medal in women's judo. Those games, they took place 29 years ago. But out of everything that happened during the 92 Summer Olympics, there's really only one person and one story that I remember whenever I think about the Barcelona Games. And that's the story of a man named Derek Redmond. Now, let's just be honest here. Derek Redmond is not one of those names that is synonymous with the Olympic Games. He's not a Michael Phelps or a Carl Lewis. He's not a Simone Biles or a Jackie Joyner Kersey. But Derek Redmond was an Olympian nonetheless. And just like the other 9,355 athletes that joined him in Barcelona for those Olympic Games, Derek was determined to win a medal in his event. And his event was the 400-meter sprint in track and field. And part of Derek's determination to win a medal at the 92 Olympics was actually born four years earlier at the Olympic Games held in 1988 in Seoul, South Korea. During those games, Derek was forced to withdraw from his event just 10 minutes before his first race because of an injury to his Achilles tendon. That injury ended up taking five different surgeries to repair. But in 1992, Derek was healthy again, and he wanted to show the world what he could do on the biggest and brightest stage. And at those Olympic Games, as they began, that's exactly what Derek Redman did. During the opening round of qualifiers, Derek ran faster than anyone else in the 400-meter field. In the second round of the event, he won his heat. So when the day of the semifinals rolled around, Derek was able to sit down with his dad that morning and talk about everything that they had experienced. Together, the two men, father and son, they reminisced about all of the past pain, all of the past heartache that had brought Derek to that moment in time. And as they sat and they talked together, they vowed that no matter what else may happen, that Derek was going to finish the race. Well, as the day of his race approached, and it was about to begin, over 65,000 fans had packed into the Olympic Stadium to watch what is considered one of the most exciting events in track and field. And amongst that crowd was Derek's dad, Jim. And his seat was way up in the nosebleed section, almost at the top of the Olympic Stadium. And he just barely made it to his seat before the starting pistol sounded and Derek's race began. But as Derek's race began, Derek got out to a great start. He took a quick jump and came out to an early lead. And all the while, his dad was standing at his perch near the top of the Olympic Stadium, shouting down to his son, Keep it up! Keep it up! And that's what Derek did. With about 175 meters left in the race, it looked like Derek was a shoe-in to qualify for the finals of the event and have a chance to bring home an Olympic medal. 
But then it happened. There was a pop in his right hamstring, and Derek Redman came up lame. His father's face immediately went pale. And all that Jim Redman could think was, oh no. But the incredible thing was that Derek actually continued to try to move forward, to reach the finish line initially, hopping on one leg down the track. But it didn't take long before he slowed down. The pain became too much, and he ended up laying crumpled on that track that day. Soon medical personnel were racing out to his side to help Derek from the track. In that moment, as his Olympic dreams were shattered right alongside of his body, Derek Redman must have felt all alone. And the agony that you could see on his face showed more than just the frustration and the pain of an athlete that was experiencing an injury. The agony also showed a man and his misery because he had lost his hope. In a lot of ways, the story of Derek Redman reminds me of the story that we're going to be taking a look at in our scripture reading today. The story that we're going to be looking at today is the story of a woman named Hagar and her son named Ishmael. But in order for us to really understand the story of Hagar and Ishmael, there's another story in the Bible that we have to understand first. And that's the story of a man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And why do you have to understand the story of Abraham and Sarah if you want to appreciate the story of Hagar and Ishmael? Well, let me explain it to you. So the story of Abraham and Sarah, as well as Hagar and Ishmael, it's found in the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. And inside of the book of Genesis, God makes a promise to Abraham. He makes a covenant with Abraham. And he tells Abraham that he is going to make Abraham the father of a great nation. And this great nation is going to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. But Abraham and Sarah, they're getting kind of old as this story progresses. They go from their 80s to their 90s, even turn 100 years old as this story continues to unfold. And Sarah, he's getting a little frustrated with God's timing. So Sarah decides that she is going to take matters into her own hands and kind of rush God's will along. So Sarah, she goes to her husband Abraham, and she tells Abraham to go and to sleep with her servant, her slave, Hagar, so that Sarah could, as Genesis chapter 16, verse 2 puts it, obtain children by her. So that's what Abraham does, and that's what Hagar does. And together, Abraham and Hagar have a son named Ishmael. And like I told you a minute ago, God had promised to Abraham that he was going to make Abraham the father of a great nation. And finally, Abraham has that long-awaited son in Ishmael. So Hagar, Hagar had to have had big hopes and big dreams about who her son would become because he was the descendant of the man that was going to be the father of a great nation, a nation that would bless all the nations of the earth. But it didn't take long for Hagar's dream to start crumbling down because not too long after Ishmael was born, Sarah found herself pregnant and would have her son named Isaac. So with all of this in mind, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 21 and see what happens next in the story. 
Here's what we're told. Genesis 21, starting in verse 8. It says, The boy grew and stopped nursing. On the day that he stopped nursing, Abraham prepared a huge banquet. Sarah saw Hagar's son laughing, the one Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, Send this servant away with her son. This servant's son won't share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. This upset Abraham terribly, because the boy was his son. God said to Abraham, Don't be upset about the boy and your servant. Do everything Sarah tells you to do, because your descendants will be traced through Isaac. But I will make of your servant son a great nation too, because he is also your descendant. Abraham got up early in the morning. He took some bread and a flask of water, and he gave it to Hagar. He put the boy in her shoulder sling and sent her away. She left and wandered through the desert near Beersheba. Finally, the water in the flask ran out, and she put the boy down under one of the desert shrubs. She walked away from him about as far as a bow shot and sat down, telling herself, I can't bear to see the boy die. She sat at a distance, cried out in grief, and wept. Can you imagine? Can you even begin to imagine what Hagar must have felt as she sat at that distance from her son, weeping? In that moment, with the dreams that she had for her son shattered, and her body laying crumpled on that desert floor, Hagar must have felt all alone. And the look of agony on her face would have shown more than just a mother who was at the end of her rope. It would have shown the misery of a woman who had lost all hope. But the truth is that none of us were there with Hagar that day. We don't know exactly what thoughts were running through her mind. We don't know what prayers she may have uttered under her breath. But there's actually another passage inside of the Bible where the author of this passage tries to put themselves into Hagar's place. They, and they write a prayer based on this time, this chapter in Hagar's life. This passage is found in Psalm chapter 86. We find this prayer that's inspired by Hagar. So I want to share some of that psalm with you right now. Psalm 86, I'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. Lord, listen closely to me and answer me because I am poor and in need. Guard my life, because I am faithful. Save your servant who trusts in you. You, my God, have mercy on me, Lord, because I cry out to you all day long. Make your servant's life happy again, because, my Lord, I offer my life to you. Because, my Lord, you are good and forgiving, full of faithful love for all those who cry out to you. Listen closely to my prayer, Lord. Pay attention to the sound of my requests for mercy. Whenever I am in trouble, I cry out to you because you will answer me. My God, there is no one like you among the gods. There is nothing that can compare to your works. All the nations that you've made will come and bow down before you, Lord. They will glorify your name because you are awesome and a wonder worker. You are God. Just you. Come back to me. Have mercy on me. Give your servant your strength. Save this child of your servant. Show me a sign of your goodness so that those who hate will see it. 
be put to shame. Show a sign that you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. What a powerful passage of Scripture. What a powerful prayer that this author writes. But you know what? We've all been there. We've all felt like the author of this psalm. We have all felt like Hagar as she was laying on that desert floor. We have all felt like Derek Redmond did at the 92 Olympics after he was injured. One point or another in our lives. There have been times when we've all felt alone and hopeless. We've all felt alone and hopeless. And in these moments, in these moments where we feel alone and hopeless, it helps to remember the rest of these stories. You see, Hagar's story, it doesn't end with her lying in a crumpled heap on the desert floor. Instead, the rest of her story tells us this. God heard the boy's cries, and God's messenger called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cries over there. Get up, pick up the boy, and take him by the hand, because I will make, a great, make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. She went over, filled the water flask, and gave the boy a drink. God remained with the boy. He grew up lived in the desert and became an expert archer. He lived in the Paran Desert, and his mother found him an Egyptian wife. The rest of the story, the passage that we just read, it shows us that even in her darkest moment, God was with Hagar. Even in her darkest moment, God was with Hagar. And the rest of Derek Redmond's story, Well, it doesn't end with him lying on the track at those 92 Olympics. In the rest of his story, we find out that Derek's dad, Jim, sees what happens from his perch high up in the Olympic Stadium. And he starts making his way down from the stadium. And he later goes on to tell reporters that he wasn't going to allow anything to stop him from getting to his son that day. And the whole time that Jim Redman is trying to make his way down from the top of the Olympic Stadium... Derek is laying there on the track and the medical personnel have come out to him and the medical personnel want to help him off of the track so another event can begin. But Derek looks at those medical professionals and he tells them, I'm going to finish this race. And then Derek Redman, he gets back up off the ground and he starts hopping toward the finish line. Now, at that point, the 400-meter semifinal race was long over with. Everybody else had finished. The race results were official. But it didn't take long for the 65,000 people in the Olympic Stadium that day to realize that Derek Redmond hadn't gotten up to just walk off of the track. They quickly realized that he had gotten up and he was trying to finish that race. One agonizing step at a time. And with each step a little more painful and taking a little longer than the one before, Derek Redman kept making his way down that track. You could see the pain in his contorted face as he continued along that track. You could see the tears that were running down his cheeks. Soon you could also hear the crowd in the stadium that day start to cheer him on. And about that same time, 
Jim Redmond had made it to the bottom of the stadium. He had jumped over the railing and he had dodged his way around the Olympic security trying to make it to his side. With about 125 meters left in the race, Jim finally reached his son, and he threw his arms around Derek. We're not showing you the video because it would make me cry. But as they stood there, embracing, on that track with 65,000 people watching them, Jim whispered to Derek, I'm with you. Let's finish this together. And that's exactly what they did. Arms around each other like you see in that picture. Son and father. With 65,000 people cheering and clapping and crying, made their way to the finish line, just like they had vowed that they would do earlier that day. With only a few feet left before they reached the finish line, Jim released his grip on his son and he let Derek cross the finish line on his own. But it didn't take long after that before Jim came with a great big bear hug, wrapping his arms around his son again. And he was quickly telling anyone that would listen to him that he was prouder of his son in that moment than he would have been if Derek had won a gold medal because of the guts that it took for his son to do what he did. It's been 29 years since the Barcelona Olympics. 29 years since the semifinals of that 400-meter sprint in track and field. 29 years since the story of Derek and Jim Redman took place. But it's still the first story that I think of every time that I think of the Olympics. I think about Derek and Jim Redman before I think about Michael Phelps' record-breaking performance at the Beijing Games. I think about Derek and Jim Redman before I think about the Dream Team's incredible performance at the same Olympics held in Barcelona in 1992. I think about Derek and Jim Redman before I think about Simone Biles and her dominant performance at the Rio Olympics just five years ago. I think about Jim and Derek Redman before I think about anything else that's happened in the Olympics. And there is a reason for it. I think about their story. I think about Derek and Jim Redman because their story, that moment in Olympic history reminds me that in the race of life, none of us are ever alone. In the race of life, none of us are ever alone. And because we are not alone, there is always hope. Hope. Like the hope that Hagar found as she was lying in the desert floor and God showed her that well. Hope, like the psalmist felt in the psalm that we read earlier today when the author reminded themselves of God's protection and provision throughout their life and their history. Hope, like the hope that Derek Redmond found when his dad met him 125 meters from the finish line during that 400 meter sprint, helped his son make it to his goal one step at a time. There is hope because God is always with us. God is always with us. God is always watching over us. God is always taking care of us. God is always giving us something that we can hope for. Even in those moments when we feel all alone. Even in those moments when we feel hopeless. 
even in those moments where God's silence can seem deafening. God is always with us. So as we think about the Olympic Games and the lessons that the Olympics can teach us as we run the race of life, I think there's no better place to start than the story of Derek and Jim Redman and the reminder that Derek had on the track that day that no matter where that track may lead, no matter what happened during his race, his dad was with him. No matter what happens in the race of life, our Heavenly Father is always with us, waiting to wrap His arms around us and help us make it through wherever the track may lead us. God is always with us, so we are never alone. Let's pray together. God, as we come to You in this word of prayer, we just thank You so much that You are always with us. Just like You were right there with Hagar in that heartbreaking moment in her life story. Just like Derek Redmond's dad was right there with him during one of the most difficult moments in his professional career. God, You were always with us. No matter where the race of life may take us. No matter what ups and downs we may experience. So help us to feel Your presence with every step we take every day that we live, knowing that we are never alone, knowing that you are always by our side. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's sermon and the story of Derek and Jim Redman has reminded you that in the race of life, we are never alone. Just like Derek's father Jim was with him, our Father in Heaven is always with us. So no matter where your race may take you, no matter what twists and turns you come across along the way, God is always with you every step of the way. Now in our next episode, we're going to continue to talk about some of the most memorable events that have ever played out on the Olympic stage. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. It'll be next Tuesday. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're there, make sure that you leave a rating and a review for our podcast to help spread the word about these sermons to other people. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another sermon podcast.